Hello and welcome back to Once More with Commentary. We are, I suppose, now officially an angel podcast. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I'm Allie. I'm Ginny. And we're coming to you in the midst of a lot of weirdness. A we lot know of- so much. So we're roughly on schedule with when we thought we would start this season. I think so. We just thought everything would be much different. <laughs> Yes? Is that fair to say? I think it's fair to say. And I think maybe we we would have paused a little longer, but then like... Yeah, what are we doing with ourselves right now? Exactly. We we needed to come back for ourselves and we thought everybody could use a little fun content right now. Yeah. I feel like one fun update that (laughs) people might have already guessed or probably many of our listeners were personally involved in this anyway. (laughs) Jordan. (laughs) Um... Uh, I was supposed to be getting married last weekend. First of all, that literally feels like that was a month ago. A year ago. That last weekend even happened. Like, I'm like, oh, when? Like, I had absolutely no concept. My concept of time was pretty shoddy anyway. (laughs) Like, right now, I'm like, I have no idea what day it is, how long it's been since something happened. But yeah. So, we're supposed to have a wedding last Saturday. mm, That did not happen for what I will hope at this point are obvious reasons. (laughs) Um, so yeah, that didn't happen, but I did get married in the city hall courthouse thing in Manhattan and it was actually really lovely at the time. We thought that was just like a cool precaution just in case like something didn't (laughs) work Mm -hmm. out as like things were sort of starting to get bad at that point, but we, and we were like, well, my brother's going to officiate, but he has to fly in from California. So like maybe travel gets shut down. Anyway, we were just like, let's just get married just in case. And then that turned into the the real thing because we didn't end up having the wedding. Maybe we'll be able to have it again at a future date. Feels impossible to say right now, like when, you know, so. But anyway, but we did not have a wedding. We did have a really kick-ass virtual reception that Mm -hmm. Allie was, I assume, one of the ringleaders for. (laughs) I don't actually know whose idea it was or where that started. Um, it, I will... I will happily take the credit. That was my idea. Yeah. I started as kind of a joke. Um, and, <laughs> and then I was like, well, why can't we do this? Yeah. <laughs> so it actually came off pretty well, I think, as well as it could, considering. I mean, obviously, virtual reception is a weird concept. <laughs> yeah. I think the only part that if we had thought, not if we had thought about it more, that's not how I mean to say this. I feel like we did get some dancing in. That was the only part oh. I wish we could have Music out. was really tough. Yeah, music yeah. was tough. <laughs> but music you know with 13 I, computers you know gives on. gives me a little bit of, like, <laughs> satisfaction from that is knowing that, like, I don't know if there is a solution because, like, I've been doing yoga classes via Zoom and, like, they give us a playlist before class and uh, they're always like, you need to mute. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> so I don't know if there's something out there yet where you can, like, just have a playlist in the background. But we had some dance breaks. So that was Yeah, fun. I think we need what we, I think the next step is to set up, like, um, have you been to or heard of those um, quiet raves or something? I forget what they're oh, called. Oh, yeah. But like where every, yeah. basically you go to a bar, they give everybody a headphone, a set of headphones, and then uh, wireless headphones, and then you just dance, but with headphones. But if you took your headphones off, it's completely quiet. That's, I think that's what we need somehow. Without having to go to the bar. Right. I just mean everybody needs to be on wireless headphones and then somebody hit play on the music. Mm. I think that's the way to do it. Because we were able to play music through Zoom. Yeah. 
But you couldn't do anything else. <laughs> right. And you couldn't really talk <laughs> or, or touch each other or dance together. But, you know. <laughs> anyway, so we did have a very fun night on our proper wedding night. We ate a lot of cake <laughs> the first two weeks of, well, the first week and a half of quarantine. Uh, because our actual cake baker was also crazy nice and sent us a little individual size cake. I should just shout them out. It was from Butter and Scotch in Brooklyn. Once They're very this is good. all over, everybody should go there. It's a bar and a bakery. They support a lot of good causes and their cake is delicious. And they were super nice and sent us a cake, <laughs> even though we didn't pay them for it. So, uh, I mean, I can't wait to eat more of that. We actually have a couple pieces of, of that in the freezer because then you guys very generously sent us a box of a dozen cupcakes. And I was like, well, we really have to get on a strict <laughs> breakfast and dessert cupcake uh, diet <laughs> so that these... I mean, I guess they would have lasted a little bit longer, but it just seemed like, let's just try and eat them, you know, relatively quickly. Anyway, that was really rambling, but that's my, those are my big life updates. Oh, also I quit a job and (laughs) I'm starting a new job in two days virtually because all the offices are closed. So that's like also super weird. Um, So I've been on vacation, like it was supposed to be my week off this whole week between my two jobs. And now I'm like, I, so, like, that's, like, I extra, like, I don't know what day it is. I don't know what I do for a living. I don't know who I work. Like, I don't know anything right now. I'm, like, I got married, quit a job, and then got stuck in my house with my husband. So, I guess, like, I keep wanting to make a joke about that, too, where I'm, like, oh, it's so funny how nobody mentioned that your first two weeks of marriage, you're <laughs> mandated to just stay in your apartment alone together and not do anything else. Uh, but, yeah. It's, like, it's kind of like a honeymoon, but not the one you would have wanted. <laughs> like, yes. A really cool honeymoon. I, yeah, yeah. Anyway, I mean, it's been fine. We're having as good of a time as people can have in this situation, I I would say. Yeah, it's, um, it's, it's so interesting because I obviously did not have as many life upheavals happen during this time. Um, but you know, it's a huge upheaval for literally everyone. I mean, to be fair. Yes. I'm just saying, I feel like you had some interesting wrinkles added on top of that. It was a weird week and a half. Um, you know, obviously, I was so sad not to go see you get married. Um, yeah. I never thought that was going to happen. And, and maybe it still won't. You know, there's yeah. always the future. So, you know, like I had a whole trip to New York that ended up not Didn't happening. Happen. Yeah. Um, for the best, obviously. Because, um, yeah. you know, that also, was kind of, that, the timing of that was so weird, too, because New York was like, like San Francisco had already basically like shut down businesses and was yeah. like, you know, shelter in place. Like, I think by the end of that week when yeah. you were deciding. Yeah, New York was like, still up in the air. And I think I had told you, I was like, I'll still go, like, if, unless they tell me I can't. And then, like, you know, shelter in place, you're like, oh, thank God they made that choice because, like, yeah, I don't yeah. know. What, I think that legally means I'm not supposed to fly. I just, yeah. like, don't know, you know? And, yeah. Um, and so we, so San Francisco, this is, like, day 17, I think, of official. Man, um, yeah. Like, shelter in place, which is so, it's, and I think the worst part of all of this, too, is, like, you just don't know, like, what you're supposed to do because, like, yeah, you go to the grocery store and, like, you know, my grocery store yesterday was the first time I had really seen the full scale, like, okay, we're monitoring how many people come in the store. You stand in a line six feet apart to get into the store. And then mm-hmm. in the store, they kind of let you loose. But then when you're um, when you're paying, they have tape on the floor to keep you six feet apart. Mm-hmm. And then the person checking you out, like, is wearing gloves and they won't touch any bags that you brought from home. Mm-hmm. And then when you go in the store, they, like, give you hand sanitizer. Like, I mean, I was so impressed. But I was yeah. also like, okay, this is obviously different and then it's like okay but I did that and then I'm like well 
should I like not go outside for a while because like I don't know is that you know right. it's like they're like right. oh you go out and exercise we go out and exercise and you're like there are people everywhere yeah and they clearly don't understand even the meaning of two feet let alone six feet right and so it's just a little bit like iffy and you know it's it just, is like, and I yeah New I mean, world I think, that we're in, right? Like we're yeah. like, like questioning your sanity over being worried about like normal things, but like I think and it's I, for the best. Even us living in, I think, two of the states that have been taking it the most seriously, so the earliest, like it's still there was so much. It's just been so poorly handled. I guess is what I'm trying to say. Of like when we were deciding whether or not to cancel the wedding, there were literally no official proclamations in New York City or state at all. Like, it was like, yeah, be careful right now. Like, all the guidance was wash your hands. Like, thanks. And that was pretty much it. (laughs) And so we were like, are they going to shut? Like, our venue was in a park. And so we were like, well, maybe, like, government properties are going to start closing soon. So we kind of asked them, and they were like, whatever. (laughs) Like, kind of everybody that we talked to about it, like, of our vendors were kind of like, it's going to be fine. And we were like, is it though? (laughs) So like the day we made that choice, nothing was closed. Nothing was official. And we were kind of like, we were just starting to hear from all of our guests that like, they were really weighing like how much they wanted to show us that they loved us versus like how safe this was. And we were like, well, that's an awful position to be putting our loved ones in. So maybe we don't do it. And then, like, the next day, like, Broadway shut down. And then, like, the next day, they were like, no groups over 50. And then the next day, they were like, no groups over 10. But it's just like, yeah, it's like, how frequently should you be buying groceries? Like, because I've heard a lot of people talking about going out every day still, and that's the one thing that they do. Or it's like, yeah, like you're saying, it's like, it's okay to exercise, but nobody's keeping their distance. So, like, it's sort of not okay. Like, everybody, nobody knows what to do. And I do feel like people are being really lackadaisical about it. But mostly, I just think there's been, like, such poor communication about... And understanding about, like, what is okay and what's not. Yeah, and I, like, not to be like, wow, I feel safe living here. I, I feel like San Francisco got out ahead of it They really definitely, quick. As, and, as, um, as ahead as anybody did. Like, I feel like as soon as Seattle had a death, San Francisco was, like, shut down. Yeah. Like, I was, like, because we started to have cases. And, you know, and I, I will forever be grateful that they did that. And I think I was reading something yesterday where San Francisco's curve might be flattening. Mm. Um, but New York definitely is not. And I... Oh, and New York City you know, specifically we, is. It's, like, this is just a death trap for that sort of thing. <laughs> Everybody's absolutely. so close together. And, and everybody has to take public transit for the most part, like... Yeah. They let it go way too long here. They let it go way too long. And so, yeah. you know, it's like, I think you guys absolutely made the right decision because knowing what we know now about New York, like... Yeah, oh I mean, God, like, probably everybody already has it already. <laughs> or you would have, you know... Or like, we would have infected like, every guest. it in, yeah. like, other places. Yeah, I mean, it's totally. like... Not you personally, but you know what I mean. No, like, yeah, no. It's just... It's so... I mean, I think making the extreme call is always the right <clears throat> case here, so... yeah. Just strange times and yeah. Strange, strange times. Like, I mean, I'm still in the same job and I still don't know what day of the week it is anymore. I don't even know what my job is anymore because I'm like, what are we doing? Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Um, So anyway. Yeah, it's... So needless to say, coming back to Angel was a bit of a like a reminder of like, oh, this is a show that I used to watch that I need to finish. (laughs) It felt really weird to start watching it last night. Also for some plot reasons that we can get into. I almost texted you last night. I was like, are you watching? Are you watching this right now? Because this this is a weird timing of a first episode. Um, 
Oh, oh yeah. yeah. That's true. <laughs> I, you know, I didn't even really um, pay attention to that part because I think oh, I'm I've just been, so numb now. God, I've been seeing it in everything that I watch. I'm like, holy shit, this could be about COVID. Oh my God, this is about coronavirus. Or like, not that it is or that it's even prescient, just that I'm like, God, we talk about the flu and pandemics and like all this stuff really casually a lot in television. <laughs> well, I've been, I told you, I think I started watching um, Star Trek, like Next Generation. Oh yeah, yeah. And like, I swear Ugh. every other episode is like new unknown alien disease. Yeah. <laughs> like, stop it. <laughs> I kind of had plans to start watching that soon. And then this was the week I should have done it. But this is the week I should have done a lot of things instead. Of, but I, what I accidentally did was just play Animal Crossing the whole time. So um, I did not get anything done that I thought I would. For the most part. I was, um, I did clean some that show. I was yeah. doing a puzzle while watching it. And my roommate was helping me with the puzzle. And like, she kept like, she so she came in like totally out of context yeah and I was like like they would be saying stuff and it's like out of context it was like and actually maybe even in context in that episode it was just kind of funny because it was just so like I was like the show is not subtle yeah 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 yeah. (laughs) like you know the acting isn't always great so it was kind of like yeah that's what's happening (laughs) right now how far have you made it um, I'm like getting towards the end of season three, I think. Okay. I feel like that's where it's supposed to really, really take off. No. Yeah. It's so I, I know that the first seasons are, are supposed to be a little rough, not supposed to, yeah. but like have, I've been told like, yeah, the early ones, you know, so. Yeah. Season two was definitely better than season one, but like, it's definitely getting better at the end of season three. And mm-hmm. obviously end of season three is like, like the big, like thing everybody knows about next generation if you know anything about next generation where picard gets like taken by the borg so Mm -hmm. um and they even only meet the borg in like um the like the towards the end of like the second season or something so it's like yeah it's good like i'm enjoying it it's like it's a great show to kind of just put on and like pay attention when you want to and then just kind of let it run because it's like nothing happens really and like i don't know it's like not dense is, mm-hmm. is what I'm saying um mm-hmm. it's I'm talking about it now because it's not my pop culture recommendation yeah sorry I don't even know what my recommendation I'm like consume so much media in the last seven days I have no I idea definitely have one that I watched last night and I okay. finally I was so excited to watch it so I'm gonna talk okay. about it but um all right let's get into yeah Angel. oh my god yeah dare I say Angel did better having not compared to Buffy <laughs> so. yes I agree I yeah also I think these I think these were season is just better so far we're definitely off to a better start with some minor grievances yeah um all right well i'll run us through conviction um which is the first episode mm-hmm. of this fifth and final season of angel um i don't know if we mentioned this is the final season mm, yeah um so i would say tying up loose ends except angel didn't really go that way so um <laughs> spoilers okay um all right well angel at the end of last season as we know Um, took the offer from Wolfram and Hart to take over the LA branch. And also in return, what he had them do was basically erase Connor from not existence, but um, the knowledge of his friends and erase Connor's memories as well so that Connor could have a chance at a happy life. All of that worked. So Angel is now running Wolfram and Hart LA and kind of starting to see what that means on a practical day-to-day basis. So yeah, they've all got the fancy offices, they've got all these tools at their disposal, but they're also running up against the fact that they now lead an evil law firm. Mm -hmm. So we open up Angel Rescues, a young girl in an alleyway, not out of the ordinary for him, except before he can leave, the Wolfram and Hart Brigade shows up wanting 
everybody to sign NDAs and, you know, take publicity photos and clean up. And like, he's got his ops crew there to kind of like clear the scene, all of which isn't really what Angel signed up for. Right. And, you know, he helps the helpless and he walks away. Mm -hmm. Um, That's not the Wolfram and Hart way. And, you know, his friends are discovering this as well. Fred is in charge now of a lab in which she understands very little of what they're doing and discovers you know in the past they've done some things such as create really deadly viruses without asking any questions because as her new underling Knox tells her like hey we're just scientists like we don't make the the moral call um which is an interesting question to explore sure Um, (laughs) and Wesley is also settling in as well and kind of figuring out like what he's going to do and gun obviously, maybe more than any of them, you know, we get this revisit of this idea that um, we saw in the last episode where he goes into the white room and it seems like he's been chosen for something. Turns out what that is, is getting a law degree basically implanted in his brain. Kind of interesting. Mm -hmm. And am I missing? Oh, Lauren obviously is heading up the entertainment division and basically loving life doing that. Um, (laughs) He gets to have lunches with Mary-Kate and whatever. Um, so everybody's settling in and, um, they meet the new liaison with the senior partners, who's mm-hmm. Eve, and she's a little ambiguous, like, we're assuming, okay, she's liaising with the senior partner, she's probably evil, but we don't know, and she's kind of trying to help them settle in, and, but also remember, like, they are heading up an evil law firm, and they owe something to their clients as well. So they start going through all the files of their clients and trying to figure out, okay, who's the worst of the worst, and we can kind of clean house of them, but then we've got to keep some of these other clients on the payroll so that they don't go to rival evil law firms, I think is the premise. Um, So they discover this one client who, I forget what he's doing, he's just a really bad guy, and he's Mm -hmm. back in court, and he's angry about being in court because, as he says, under the old management, this never would have made it to trial. Um, And he, But he's got an insurance policy in that he's implanted some kind of mystical device in his son that's full of this disease that, if it's triggered, will basically wipe out all of the city and starting with the school where his son goes. So really nasty stuff. Um, Angel, you know, figures this out. He figures out that it's being held in the sun. He goes, has to fight his own ops team to get this situation cleared up because the ops guys are used to just, okay, we're going to go in and kill all the children and clean the scene. (laughs) So he's got to fight the old regime in that way. Also, side note, his new assistant is Harmony. Yes. <laughs> uh, Wesley plucked her out of the steno pool because Angel <laughs> has met her before, I guess, is the reasoning. Um, so, you know, they they figure out how to do it. Gunn uses his new legal prowess to get a mistrial, and basically he can delay and delay and delay and delay and keep this guy happy, but also not um, committing more crimes. Um, and so everybody reconvenes back in Angel's office. They're like, I guess this is what we're going to deal with now. Except Angel then opens the mail. And we've kind of seen this envelope floating around the episode. And out falls an amulet. And we recognize this from the Buffy finale as the amulet that Spike wore that then basically disintegrated him into sunshine or something. Um, and in Angel's office, Spike actually reassembles. And there he is in L.A., Cut to credits. Blondie Bear. Blondie Bear. <laughs> I laughed out loud when that, because everybody's like, Spike, Spike. And then Harmony pops her head around. Blondie Bear. <laughs> so, um, yeah. 
right off the bat, I mean, what I, do you think? I think what I loved about this episode was how I thought it was a great hard reset, basically. Like, it's clear. I, I just really enjoyed the first, like, five minutes of this. I was like, I can eat this up. Like, the angel, you know, like, the opening scene where he's, like, rehashing kind of what we saw probably at the beginning of season one, and maybe a few times since then. Like, he goes through this very standard save the girl, walk away, except we get the big twist, which is that now he's in the law firm. Like, I just thought that was really well executed in terms of, like, setting the stage. It's clear that we're not dealing with this, any, pretty much any fallout from the previous four seasons. <laughs> not, I mean, that's a bit of an exaggeration, but you know what I mean? Is like, we're not dealing with Jasmine anymore. All that stuff is done. We're back to basics, sort of, as a, you know, in the maybe season seven Buffy way. It just, I just thought they did a great job out the gate of saying, here's where we are. Here's a quick update. But it was all really, like, quick and pithy. Like, I, you know, like, watching Fred and Wesley's little banter was cute. Watching Fred interact with Knox was cute. Watching, you know, like, I just thought everybody kind of got had really great beats. Like, bam, 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 new office, knew this. They're getting, you know, Gunn and Wesley talk about their offices, blah, 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 blah. So that was my initial takeaway. And I, in general, that's how I, f- I feel so far, even watching both of these two episodes. It's like, okay, we're in a new place. We definitely have to set some things up. But so far, I feel like the pace is pretty good and the overall, the, the general vibe I have is fine. <laughs> yeah, I think what's interesting to me is like, this is not the first sort of reset we've kind of seen happen on Angel, right? Like, you know, obviously going back to season one, yeah. like Wesley's introduction and... I think along the way, like, we've seen changes of scenery, like, when they moved in the hotel and, you know, a bit of an injection of new people. But I think, in a way, this is a tonal reset for Angel as well. Like, it's a little lighter. I mean, the criminals they're dealing with still feel very familiar, very Wolfram and Hart, very kind of, well, frankly, kind of boring, like, because they think they don't (laughs) matter, ultimately, right? Like, they're not supposed to be that interesting, or it doesn't appear to be that way. But but the new setting has energy. There's more people around. Um, everybody seems a little lighter, <laughs> as if like having all these resources at their disposal kind of allows them to have a personality again. I right. don't know if that's the intention, but that's to me what seems to be happening. Um, you know, and even Angel feels a little bit lighter hearted without these burdens on him. Yeah. Um, you know, he's got new hair. He's showing a lot of chest. Yeah. Um, <laughs> But he generally is like, you know, seems a little, he's a little less broody and yeah. everybody is. And um, it's kind of nice. And, and honestly, like Harmony comes in like a breath of oh like my God. Yeah. the freshest exactly air. Exactly what like, the show just, needed. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Because she's funny. She fits right in. Like I loved that exchange of, you know, Angel realizing she was there and, you know, Harmony basically like, don't murder me. Yeah, like her sales pitch to why she's a good fit for this office. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, and, you know, and then obviously at the end, um, we don't really get to see him interact very much, but like, it's clear Spike coming in is going to be exactly the same. Yeah. I mean, how could he not be? And we see it a little bit in the next episode too, but like, you know, it's just kind of like, oh, wow, like, this is exactly what this show needed. Yeah, Um, and it, yeah. I can't believe I didn't really think about it that way either. But yes, you're you're totally right that what I am enjoying about this show is how much less broody it is. Yes. Yeah. Out the gate, it's like it's just lighter. But it, it for once, it other like other times, like in the end of Buffy, when we saw Angel kind of joking around, and it was like, "Where is this coming from?" I think 
it also sort of makes sense that like he the biggest burden he had was Connor and knowing that or at least he has something that he's he made some sort of decision about that and he can probably feel okay pretty good about what he did so it's like he doesn't have to worry about that there's basically nothing other than himself that he needs to worry about right now yeah which is good um, <laughs> and what car to drive to save the day you know that's true like, yeah I mean there are <clears throat> we are seeing the beginning of choices and and different changes as well um you know I think with gun and yeah and and also I mean with Eve we don't know anything about her now um yeah so I mean maybe that's actually a good place to jump in I immediately <laughs> Eve is the thing I did not like about this episode and she immediately like I told you when we I was first watching this I was like I love the way that they're doing this that they're you know it's a great season it's a great episode one of a season but also it's a great just reminder of kind of like where we're at where we're at and a good summary and then they like as soon as they walked into the office and Eve was there I was like 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 that was a terrible sound but pretend I was screeching my tires there like I was like wait like what like she just really took me out of it something about her has not gelled at all I don't like the way she interacts with the team I don't like that she's not Lila for some reason that I will hope is just actor availability but maybe I don't know you know you never know with this show um I don't know I just I I just thought she was too something like she's just trying too hard and I just like really did not like her and then Harmony came in I was like oh she's the antidote to fake Lila like yeah so I don't know what are your thoughts she is kind of fake Lila I didn't even really think about that I kind of forgot that Lila was the one that showed them around at the the end of the last season yeah yeah why do Um, it this way I, I I don't know I mean yeah maybe they wanted to eliminate the complications of like having Wesley's ex-girlfriend around the whole time. I don't know. Yeah. Or maybe it was actor availability. It is an interesting choice. And I think this actress is definitely going for the Lila type energy, but is I just think they should have tried to make her different a little bit more yeah. because we had such a good version of that already that it's like, yeah, I don't know. It was just, it's just hard not to feel like she's the sexy young ingenue that they brought in to like kick out Lila, even though I think you're, I think you're right actually. And that was the conclusion that Alex and I reached last night too, is it's like, they need more love interests for the characters so that they don't just keep running around with each other. And they need, you know, yeah. Having Lila there is just going to complicate Wesley's story. I'm pretty sure those are probably the main reasons that they did the swap, but it, it just felt a little bit like here's the newer prettier like younger version of her or something and then and then she kind of acted that way too so like the whole thing just kind of rubbed me the wrong way i'm sure i'll get used yeah, to her the, i like, just didn't like herself over yeah, angel's desk yeah. and like all of that and it's kind of like why like, she just why made a lot of yeah yeah so yeah. not my favorite so okay i guess <laughs> let's there's a few other characters I want to talk about. Harmony, you kind of already covered, but I didn't get to say my two cents, though I have nothing new to add, except that I just <laughs> really love Harmony. Like, she was great. She was always great on Buffy. She was great post-turned vampire in Buffy. Like, I've never not enjoyed her, and this is no exception. Like, also just her as, like, the assistant is just, like, it's just too perfect. Like I, Like, I don't think I ever would have thought about it, but it's, like inevitable you know what I mean it's like she has to be there who else could do this and I just like I loved her talking about her typing skills like she's just so good at that really Whedon humor like that she she's just one of the best characters in the whole I think Buffy verse of like just really nailing that like great sense of humor and like she's just always fun and exciting to watch and I think what I I I really like is like she's just so much harmony like it's yeah yeah it's inspired really is like the word I would use for like <laughs> yeah. casting her in this way it because is like, 
I love the whole interaction where Angel's like, explain why I shouldn't kill you. And she's like, secretary's fine. Like, yeah. Having whole <laughs> yeah. Debate over like what he should call her. And yeah. it's just so harmony to be like, not pick up on like the deeper moments of right. things. Right. I was and, like, just thinking you know, that. Like, she's and so. And telling Angel like, his otter blood is like what makes it extra delicious. Yeah. And yeah. like, like she's. Also, asking about Cordelia and being told she's in a coma and, like, being really upset and then immediately, like, okay, so, you know, yeah. like, and then over it. Yeah. In that way that, like, in the episode where Buffy can hear everyone's thoughts and we hear Oz's and it's, like, literally the thing that he thinks is the thing that he says. Oh, no, 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 that's not him. That's Cordelia, isn't it? But I guess Harmony is just that same way. So, I don't know. I, I like that she's so superficial because it does really mean that she can just kind of interface with anybody She's always just going to be herself. Like, she's... Yeah. Yeah. It's it's a very good person to have put in here to balance all of these problems, that problem areas that this group has had, which is basically they're sad all the time. Like, they're all so deep and heavy. It's like, we literally just need some froth. Like, just someone in there to be the other and end of the know, spectrum. you know, I was kind of thinking about it, like... It makes total sense that the characters are that way because they've all had these, like, unbelievable traumatic things happen to them. Yeah. But, like, Harmony is a great example of someone who has literally died and is not letting that diminish her sparkle. Yeah. (laughs) So true. Or even, yeah, and just, like, the part where the guy was like, it's going to kill everyone who's not already dead. And she's like, oh, phew. (laughs) She's just so, like, she's just so, what is the word? Like, it's not just superficial, even though that's part of it. It's just, like, she is just so honest. Like, she is just, everything is completely, there's no filter, even for herself. Like, she's not, like, fooling herself either. These are just really how she thinks. It's still Do you a little, believe that yeah. um, Harmony is really good at typing? Because we did used to see Harmony in computer class. So. Well, she struggled with uh, coding. I think most people of her and our generations are good at typing from all the emailing and chatting. Like, mm. I definitely think she's good at typing, yes. Do you think Harmony's got, Harmony's got a screen name? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what it is. <laughs> You know what I was wondering, though, and this came up a couple times in this episode, um, especially at the end, too, is, like, trying to keep track of, like, who's encountered who so yeah. far. And, like, yeah. I I don't think Fred has ever met Harmony, but she seems to recognize her when she sees her. They There was that time that she came back and visited Cordelia in Angel. So maybe yeah, they, but I thought that was season then. two. I don't remember. Uh, I don't remember. Yeah. Right. Well, <clears throat> okay, that's all I have to say about her, but obviously... She delights me. I kind of also want to, I mean, I don't, I'm not sure what to think about it, but I definitely want to talk about the gun transition. Yes. I think kind of in the grand tradition of gun, it's like, I, I, I definitely understand why they did it. And I'm glad because like, obviously he needed a way to stay in the story that just made more sense than like being the hired muscle when they have a whole army at their disposal. You know, that wasn't necessarily going to make sense. And I like that he gets to do something that's like, I don't know. I, I don't know. I mean, like, I like this turn for him, kind of. It just it, it just felt really shoehorned in. I guess that's kind of where I'm still hesitating. But doesn't it feel like he's like, still the hired muscle? It's just that the kind of muscle right, they need is right. different now? Yeah, yeah. But in that way, like, that kind of makes me think more positively of it. In a, it. But you're right. Like, he's still playing the same role in the group, but that role is still sort of this, like, he's a tool for them, which is always is a little icky. Yeah, I mean, I think 
the thing that helps is like all of this was his choice exactly. and it does give him a different type of role to play and it kind of inverts the like stereotype of him just being like hired muscle right exactly yeah. I do like all of that um but it, it doesn't really erase that concept of like I, I guess like the treatment of like oh no wonder the senior partners chose you for this or like you know I yeah. guess what he's getting out of it. It's all very fuzzy to me still. I think um, they just, they still talk to him or so, something about the way that they handle this. Like I, the plot makes sense. The turn makes sense, but they just a little like sloppy or something. I don't know. I, I'm not having a good time articulating well, it. Well, and the fact that it was like, all introduced with like a panther is like yeah. still. <laughs> yeah. But even then it was like, he clearly was still surprised by the, offer in this episode so I still don't think it made the panther rank any sense no but yeah Even I guess being like oh I talked to the big cat is like okay yeah <laughs> about what so I don't know but I am glad that he has a more obvious way to fit in with the story you know like and I, I, it was fun I mean I like watching him get dressed up in a suit and go argue like I thought he's pulling he's pulling it off I think is what I mean to say like so I'm enjoying this new aspect of him I just think, as always, the show has been... They, the way that they treat and handle Gunn's character is always a little bit off, and I don't think this was an exception. <laughs> but it still felt a little bit like it was Gunn, because like even in that moment in the courtroom where he's like bantering, he's doing oh, like that sure. legal yeah. banter that they do on TV, right? And yeah. like, you know, he's like, defense submits, submits, it's learn to swim. It's like, that That still yeah. feels like a very Gunn kind of Oh, comment. for sure, yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I'm just, I'm taking a wait and see. Like, I, I think I like it. Um, I just don't remember where it's going. Same. Um, I did find myself wondering, because, you know, I know a lot of lawyers, like, how many of them would prefer that process to law school? <laughs> Probably every single one of them. Although, maybe not. Although his degrees were forged. That's true. But, yeah, yeah, who cares? Yeah. I did like that they made some joke about how part of what he had to watch was a uh, I didn't. I didn't actually know that TV show, but they referred to some like legal drama or something. Like, well, oh no, it was Gilbert and Sullivan. Yeah. It's, um Pirates of Penzance is an operetta. Oh, okay. Sorry. They were making him God. watch musicals. Oh, funny. Okay. <laughs> as as Eve said for elocution. Got it. Got it. Got it. Oh, that makes so much more sense. I should have googled it. Sorry, and I see it now on the page in front of me. Yeah, it was really funny. Um, I thought that was kind of a fun joke. That is funny. Um. You know, we got a lot of little fun flourishes, I think, in this episode. Like, you know, just the casual mention that, you know, we, we hear about Wolfram and Hart being this, like, evil, mystical law firm, but then there's a casual mention that, like, one of the DAs has a shaman. Yeah. And, you know, there's, like, this idea that Wolfram and Hart is just playing the game that everybody's playing a little bit. Yeah. Um, I thought that was fun, you know, just the little touches that you... Like, the weird guy in the um, wrestling mask delivering the mail. <laughs> I love that. Yeah, his luchador mask. Just um, kind of weird stuff, like, the reference to, like, the different clients that they have. And, um, you know, it, it, I think this world feels really lived in, which is Yeah, nice. I agree. And it does feel like there's so much now opportunity, yes, for them to every episode of, you know, for each case of the week to bring up a new funny department. You know, like, oh, this is the department with the shaman. This is Not that that was what happened here. But, you, yeah, I... I I think this is a really good premise, I think is what I'm saying. There's so yeah. much. It's not just that they can have a different client every week. It's that they can go into some, like, it's clear that the operation of Wolfram and Hart is so expansive that there's always going to be a new facet of it to, to delve into in addition to whatever cases they need to look at. So I think that in that way, this is a really rich 
well for them. Yeah. Which is good. Speaking yeah. Of the the clients. Am I just finding that actor really oh, I kept making recognizable? Me, yeah. Or have we seen him on this show before? I think like, that's what I couldn't figure out. I you know, I meant to look him up and I forgot, but I am looking at him now. Maybe Let's he was see. on Buffy. Um Oh my god, I can see his face. He's also in like he's in another show. Let's see. Alright, I'll keep looking. Uh but you know who else was in this episode? Uh in the op- in the opening sequence when Angel gets bombarded with all the uh, Wolfram and Hart staff, uh, that was T.J. Tyne who plays uh, Hodgins on Bones with oh, his yes, first that's screen right. time I, with I David Boreanaz. Um, <laughs> I, I saw him come up and I was like, oh, I bet Jenny's losing her mind. I, well, I was like, oh my god, oh my god, I don't know how I didn't remember that. <laughs> so that was exciting. Corbin, Fry. well, should we should we talk about Spike? We should. Okay. Sorry, I'm still trying to figure out why we know this guy. He's in a lot of stuff. Oh, wait. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that's what it is. Duh. He's Liam Fitzpatrick in Veronica Mars. I was like, I think it's Veronica Mars, oh my but gosh. I can't picture it. <laughs> and sorry, it's all the way at the top of IMDb because that show is ongoing. I was like, why is it not in here? Oh, uh, that's totally duh, it. Duh, duh, duh. Oh, my okay. God. I was like, I can see him being really menacing to someone. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. No, totally. Uh. Phew. Okay. Oh, and there was... Oh, I know what something else. I... Never mind. This is related to my um, pop culture recommendation. Okay. I had a similar experience watching that. Okay. Um, okay, yeah. No, that's totally what it is. Liam Fitzpatrick. Okay. I knew he was a bad guy. I know. <laughs> I was like, why can I see him? Okay. So, Spike. <laughs> All right. Well, let's let's talk about Spike's appearance that I really wish they had not given away why in did they the do opening that? credits. That was upsetting. It was so upsetting. Why would they have done that? They must have been advertising his return on the show or something. Because there's no reason, like, this show has been so good about not doing that. Or Buffy, at least, was. I I mean, even if he's returning into the credits, like, and, like, you know, he's going to have second billing, like, I don't know, like, leave it out for an episode. I know, it's so weird. It just totally ruins, like the moment and you know and I even knew it was coming and I was like I was so excited to like still be surprised yeah and yeah like, and, then they, and then it was like no. in the opening credits and I was like well shit <laughs> so weird it's so weird so um, yeah way to spoil but we your do see own this reveal. like envelope floating around right that Angel is just sitting on his desk and he opens it and we have no idea right how this happens because mm-hmm. who who went into the hellmouth and got this envelope and mailed it but yeah it, it makes for a great comical ending to this episode for because sure. spike very painfully reintegrates is that i don't <laughs> yeah, know what to say re- becomes the corp- whole person yeah, again yeah, yeah, yeah. and everybody has the expected reaction i was a little surprised i also found myself trying to remember if wesley had ever met spike and i don't think so but no. he must have known he who he was who because he of his watcher training yeah right? yeah um angel's obviously displeased to see him <laughs> wesley's like Spike, and then of course, Harmony's perfect moment. Floppy bear. <laughs> uh, I mean, he doesn't get to really do anything in this episode other no. than throw an obvious wrench into the what seemed to be them falling into an easy pattern of case of the week stuff. So, I mean, but I mean, I'm happy about it. Yeah, th- I think here this will give us a nice segue into the next episode because we do dive more into that. Sure. Do you want to move on to that one? Yeah, okay. let's do that. I did not take... This is going to be a bad summary, <laughs> as they always are. Uh, so next episode, uh, Just Rewards. You know, pretty much... Yes, this is the episode that deals with Spike coming back. So Spike is there. He starts... You know, they all kind of 
either introduce him or explain who he is to each other. Um, and he and Angel more or less immediately get into a tussle, but as Spike leans towards Angel, he just falls into everything, Angel, the desk, everything, and it's clear that he is not mm, material. <laughs> He's something of a ghost. Um, so, you know, everybody is basically trying to figure out what, it, you know, first of all, how did he come back? But also, like, what is he? He doesn't seem to quite be a ghost based on what Fred knows about ghosts and their ectoplasm patterns or whatever. Uh, so we don't know. We don't know what he's what he's doing there. We don't know why he isn't corporeal, but why he's also visible. Um, and he can't really do anything other than talk to everybody. Uh, he also keeps disappearing for a few seconds at a time and then reappearing, and he's, he's really disoriented by that, as is everyone. Um, so meanwhile, Angel uh, is dealing with this, you know, roster of clients who each one more evil than the last and the one up this week is a necromancer who they have a whole department um that is basically is grave robbers who supply him with a steady stream of dead bodies that he uses to offer services to demons and bad guys through you know around the world i assume um so angel decides that they're gonna tell him you know they decide to close that department in the law firm this client is understandably upset by that news so angel goes personally to deal with it which is a bit of a mistake because as a necromancer, this guy is super powerful and specifically super powerful over dead bodies, which Angel is. <laughs> um, so they kind of have a tussle. Spike is involved as well, though he can't do anything. So Angel, um, you know, they reach a impasse of, of sorts. I don't know why I'm having such a hard time with this, but basically, Spike lingers behind, seems to make a deal with the necromancer where he's going to betray everybody. Um, and then he kind of gives a different version of the story to Angel, seemingly asking for help. Oh, I just want to pass on because I can't live this way. He also overhears the Angel investigation teams kind of discussing what to do with him, sort of rudely. Uh, they don't ask him what he wants, but they're sort of saying, well, we don't know that we can make him whole again, but we can probably banish him for good. So, of course, this all turns out to basically be a ruse. He and Angel come up with a plan to deal with the necromancer because Spike tells the necromancer, yeah, I want you to put me in Angel's body. But he, through talking with him, realizes that the way that the necromancer does this is he channels that spirit into himself first. So instead of letting him channel Spike into Angel's body, Spike stops him and then stays in his body long enough for Angel to kill the necromancer. And dust their hands off, move along with the world. Um, and then at the very end, uh, Spike has a conversation with Fred where he explains, I really don't want to be pushed along to the next place because as I'm flitting in and out, that's kind of what's happening. He's like losing touch with Earth and moving along to the next plane. And he's certain that the place that he's going is not the good one. And he doesn't want that to be the case. So he asks for Fred's help at the very end. Sorry, I got so twisted in the middle there because I was like, uh, the timelines are always a little bit like they went there, then they left, then they came back. But no, it's OK, because <laughs> I was watching the show and I was like, I don't really get what is happening. Yeah. Like, <laughs> so it was kind of hard to keep it straight. Yeah. Um, this one I liked less, but yes, I, I mean, it had some really fun set pieces. I'm obviously happy that Spike is back in the mix. I think it was a little bit of a rocky reintroduction of Spike, frankly. 
It wasn't my favorite. Do you I, think we needed the whole like revisit to the Hellmouth like in entirety? Like I no, I wouldn't have minded the reminder of like this is what happened to Spike, but why did we have to show the scene with, with Buffy. him and Buffy? Uh, but it and was, they also skipped yeah. the part I was where just Buffy's gonna say, like, "I love you." Yeah, they skipped part of it. <laughs> I don't know. No, I agree. I don't think we needed that whole reminder. Um, I think what do you think that was just like the show throwing us a bone of like, okay, we have to if they talk about this, then there's like. We, they've now given them an intro to like talk about Buffy and like we get a little bit of like a, of like right. a, a check in right okay it's been 19 days since the Hellmouth imploded yeah Buffy's apparently now in Europe right like you know I yeah. guess okay we're checked yeah. in like she's she's doing good and going on vacation I don't know I mean I think we needed the reminder in the sense that on network tv a whole summer had passed since all that happened and it is kind of nice to just you know especially since this season is clearly going in a different direction from Angel maybe they were hoping to get the viewers from Buffy who weren't sticking I don't know it makes sense to me why they would put it in there but certainly in the way that we watch tv shows now it's completely unnecessary (laughs) yeah um but yeah I mean I yeah the plot was a little bit muddy in the middle I I mean, I, in general, enjoyed the Necromancer as, like, a villain of the week. Um, I I have to say, you know, like, I knew that they were going to do this, like, twist with Spike just because, not even because, like, that's how I think they're, what they're, what I think they're doing with Spike, but that's just what I think the show Angel, like, the they are still kind of retreading some of their old structures. So it was like, I knew he was going to look bad and then look good. And then, you know, like, I knew it was going to go back and forth a few times. I think what, what I, what ultimately why this episode is like knocked down a peg from the other one is because though I understand them, I, I guess I understand the desire to do this. I just feel like we left Spike in season seven of Buffy as this <laughs> reinsold vampire who makes the ultimate sacrifice. And then to kind of bring him in here and pretend at all that like, he's just going to turn evil again. I was like, I don't think I, I don't think I enjoyed that at all. <laughs> and like then, the, you know, he has to play the bad guy. So he has to say like gross things about Fred, which is just like always how this show demonstrates that men are unsavory is like make them say gross things about the women. Like I, I just, I just think they put bad words into Spike's mouth that he didn't need to say as, you know, again, it was like he spent all of season seven getting to a place where we could you know, see that he had done some good and then to kind of try and retread, like take that back a little bit, even if it was just for a joke. I just thought that was a bad idea. You know, I wonder if this was for the viewers who didn't follow Buffy to UPN. Yeah, that's a good because, point. Because, you know, there were people who probably couldn't because right. networks they didn't, have didn't the run same, in yeah. the same place and like this wasn't the era of like online. So yeah, I'm... I'm guessing this was kind of a reminder for those viewers of like who Spike was and like they had to kind of do a, a quick retread of his character arc because they didn't witness it. That's a good point. Um, That's actually that a great was what point. I was assuming. Yeah. But it was still I but agree with you. Then like, in the same way what we know, mm-hmm. it was still incredibly annoying to have to sit through. So then in that way that we didn't need the Buffy recap, we got it. You and I personally don't need this episode. <laughs> like, okay, I, you're right. I, you're actually, what you said makes perfect sense. Like a hundred percent now understand why they, I mean, not why they made him have to say gross things about Fred. Like literally let's just stop doing that as like a trope. Can we not do that? But of everything else, I totally agree with you. It just makes it a very like ho-hum for us that we just need to get through it so that we can move on to bigger and better storylines. Yeah, I mean, there are still some interesting things in this episode, despite that. I I agree with you. Like, I thought the whole, there was no suspense whatsoever about, like, what Spike was going to do. Um, mm-hmm. But I did like 
what Spike's presence did to Angel, where Angel seems, you know, grumpy because Spike's around and they've never liked each other. And, you know, it's just one more thing Angel has to deal with because, as you know, Spike is clearly set to haunt Angel. <laughs> yeah, yes. And <laughs> that's, like, his worst nightmare, right? But we see <laughs> that, like, you know, Angel has not told his team the details about Spike that he's right. since learned, which is that... Spike had a soul, Spike was involved with Buffy, mm-hmm. like, you know, all of these things are surprises. Um, yeah, even about the amulet in general, it seems. Exactly, right? that Angel yeah. was going to use the amulet. And it mm-hmm. does, and I, I actually really appreciate the show raising that question of the amulet because yeah, it did come from Lila and the intention Angel thought was always that he was going to wear it. So right. why would they give him that amulet, amulet and give him Wolferman heart? Like that seems right. like a bit of right. a double play. But I also wonder if like they all, I mean, again, Wolferman heart, the partners probably know more than Angel. Mm-hmm. And at the time, Angel would have no way to know that like Buffy would choose to give it to Spike. Right. Um, so I didn't really find that such an interesting wrinkle, but um it, it did be, like beg an interesting question of like what's the game that they're playing or that they're being pawns in, right? Yeah. Um, and but I sorry. really also loved this idea that Angel's real problem with Spike is like Spike's so well adjusted. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, Angel totally. Says, like his getting a soul almost killed him, and it took him a century to recover. Yeah. And Spike seemingly did it in a year, and I think in a week even he's what Angel yeah, throws. Yeah, and at I him. think the difference is their personalities I think Spike also we've seen proof on Buffy that he didn't just get over what he did right um but I think in Spike's case he didn't have the luxury of sitting around and moping about his soul because he was was already part of the group yeah as a pawn because of that and and Angel was kind of left to wander the sewers on his own you know I mean Spike could have sat in the school basement for 10 years we don't know yeah, but I think also Spike was already entrenched with the Scoobies and they need they always needed his strength and abilities. So it's like he also doesn't have the luxury of moping around for 100 years. There was stuff to do. You know what I mean? Yeah. And in addition Angel to what, had some yeah. kind of purpose, he would have exactly. not he spent didn't a have, century. Exactly, yeah. exactly. But I, I totally agree with you. Yes, I don't mean to dismiss all of this episode. Just, you know, obviously, I just... <laughs> you know that I love Spike and... Last season was so hard for us, or for me, you know, and they, I feel like they finally got into a place, so it's just hard for me to have to watch the retread of that at all. I totally agree with your assessment of it, but yes, I really, I did, I, I was worried that the show is going to just devolve into petty squabbles between Angel and Spike, because that's more or less been their relationship when they've encountered each other in, like, the, you know, quote-unquote present in these all shows. season two? Yeah, so, <laughs> yeah, but I, so I like that there's already another layer to it, and kind of similar, it's kind of the same for Spike, where it's like, he doesn't have, a, he has his own personal redemption that he made, but now he's in the position where even though he made this turn, he's still faced with the prospect of being damned to hell forever, you know what I mean? And, like, also he is a little bit jealous, because, like, he's done a lot of the same things that Angel has done, and he's not gonna ever run a fancy law department, law firm with, like, 20 cars at his disposal, like, which is admittedly more of a petty grievance than the deeper stuff, but, like, I, I just agree. I really like, I think also part of what is bothering Angel is that he wasn't the one to do, to do that, and, you know, that, that Buffy didn't pick him for it, or that she shooed him away, and that he thinks he's the noble one and should have done the noble sacrifice and that it wasn't him, I think is also really eating away at him. Never mind that that entire like frustration eats away at Buffy's 
um, decision and her strategic thinking, which was actually very sound, which is that if we fail, we need a second front. Right. And forget about that part, Angel. No, she just didn't pick you. Why, why, why? Like, (laughs) well, no, but I I mean, that a little (laughs) annoying, but I thought, I thought of it more as the way that he wanted to be the one to, you know, he wanted to do it and he did want to do it. Not just because he was trying to prove something to Buffy, but because he's Angel, he's got a huge chip on his shoulder about saving the world. So I think, I think I took it more as a like, he wanted to be there in the showdown and he wanted to be the one to make the sacrifice. Not that he didn't want, not so much that he was butthurt about Buffy not picking him, but you're also right. <laughs> but it, I think it raises some interesting questions. And I think Angel and Spike's dynamic was always a highlight and I'm excited. And I, you know, I think I wrote in my notes, Spike and Harmony, both on the show, have already raised it by like 50%. It's so true. <laughs> Although Harmony is the constant reminder of like what a kind of D-bag Spike really is. Like, I well, feel so bad for her. To yeah. Her because she, I think she's sitting around waiting for his apology and he's not giving it to her. And that's the part that rang a little false to me, actually. Yeah, I like, agree. I Spike agree. Spike has a soul now. He, 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 it might occur to him to apologize to her. <laughs> I agree. I agree. And also though, but she just breaks my heart because again, in her like, kind of naiveness to everything but like her brutal honesty she's like oh you're I'm not your girlfriend so you can't talk to me that way anymore I'm like he can't talk to you that way period it's nothing to you know it's even worse that you think that's okay because he was your boyfriend but like hopefully Harmony seems a little heartbroken to find out that Spike really did eventually have a relationship with Buffy Buffy. yeah totally Harmony is a tragic character she is a little (laughs) bit tragic I'm hopeful that she'll grow a little bit but not too much because it's like, I don't actually want her to have a serious arc because I think that would sort of ruin her. But I do hope that she, I know that obviously she's going to continue to interface with Spike. I don't remember most of the details. Though I remember a few. I'm just saying, I hope that she stands up to him more and that he apologizes or whatever. She puts him in his yeah. place somehow. But yeah, I, I agree overall that they're, I think they're doing a good job of mining more out of Spike and Angel than just the fun bicker dynamic that they have, but like also giving it, weight for each of them as individuals definitely i mean i agree with you like this episode wasn't as strong but i think the interpersonal stuff was was good um i also though i mean not something to dwell on because it's like the whole how much of a vampire is a person you know revolving door on buffy like is a wrinkle there oh no but also that spike has a soul and is still going to hell no matter what. I was kind of like, I I think I have some questions about that logic as well. Like he saved the whole world in his final sacrifice that he could only do because he got a soul for himself and that didn't like count for anything. Like I, I just have some questions about that. Like it kind of seemed just like, oh, all vampires go to hell. I was like, but vampires like don't even ask to be made vampire. You know what I mean? So I was like, I don't know. Well, the ethics I... and the philosophy of this are very dodgy. <laughs> I don't know because... There's no proof that Spike is going to hell. I think that's his assumption. He sees. That, he seemed to have seen. Okay, I saw nothing in this episode that made me think I shouldn't take him at his word that he was. I thought he was just certain was that there's no way he wouldn't be going to hell. Oh, I thought he was saying, as I flit in and out, I'm going there. I thought he said he saw it. Oh, maybe you're I, right. Maybe you're maybe right. I missed it, but I thought he was just saying like, I'm pretty sure I'm not going to the good place, like, and so he wasn't ready, hmm. you know. But I agree with you because it doesn't make any sense. Like he literally saved like everyone from the Hellmouth and that doesn't erase like I mean maybe that doesn't erase a hundred years of you know terror but it's got to count for something yeah yeah okay so maybe I don't know I'd have to watch the scene again the summary is not clear enough so (sighs) but yeah but 
I'm glad then that he's going to get to chip away at his redemption a little bit more because I think he needs that, or at least I'm hopeful that that's what they're getting at. Also, I did like the whole ne necromancer set piece. I liked his creepy dead body, like, tea party. <laughs> I oh, mean, I didn't like it, that but, was like, it was creepy, cool, right? It was super creepy. <laughs> and his butler was, like, really charming. Like, he wasn't the most... You know, he wasn't like the deepest villain that I've ever had. He was like kind of so-so, but I, I, I feel like they got some good background pieces out of it. Oh, definitely. Yeah. Sorry. Another thing that I want to circle back to, though, I, I sort of alluded to this. I actually, <laughs> mm, I think it was accurate, but it really bothered me that the Angel team was sitting there discussing what to do about Spike and not even asking him. Like it was like, I was like, what are you talking? We can't just decide somebody's eternal fate for them like that's just completely out of i thought that was so out of line i thought it was totally in character for all of them but i was like wow you guys are overstepping like i get it that like something needs to be done clearly but like you guys can't just make that choice for him well they're talking about him as if he's not there right yeah. which i suppose he sort of isn't but yeah a little <laughs> bit weird now they were talking about killing him forever without even asking him like would you rather be made whole again or dead forever. Right, but like talking about it in front of him as if he weren't there. Oh, I don't, he was around the corner. They didn't know he was there. I mean, oh, they should have okay. assumed he was there because he was a ghost this whole time. <laughs> like, and they were <laughs> stupid to talk about him and assume he couldn't hear. I did also, what I also liked about Spike's presence in the show is in that, so in that way, it's like we see him, he was listening in on them. And then pretty much immediately after that, he goes and tells Angel, I heard what you guys said. And I was like, that is such a not Angel team thing to do. Like, like Spike is again, like kind of, forcing them to have conversations in the way that they always refuse to have conversations. I'm like, thank God Spike is at least being honest and saying like, hey, I heard you and it bothers me. Like, I was like, Ugh, okay, finally. <laughs> Maybe we won't have some of the easily avoided conundrums of the previous three seasons <laughs> if people will just have conversations with one another. <laughs> yeah, uh, they, they haven't solved their communication issues, I think. But I think Spike and Harmony are going to go a long way in that regard as people who can't not be honest. <laughs> You know, I think that's an interesting thing to bring up, like, in this show that we've talked about for four, four seasons now about they just cannot say what they feel. Um, maybe that's why Harmony and Spike bring such liveliness to this, because, mm -hmm. like, that was the fatal flaw of Angel, right? Exactly, Is that yeah. They don't do that, and, like, these are two characters that do do that. I, I actually hadn't really thought about that. I, um, oh, yeah, I like, no. I like that angle of this a lot. Totally, yeah. Spike, especially, because he's more, so far, more deeply entrenched, I think, into, like, the drama. But, I, I, again, I don't really remember the details of what happens with Harmony, so maybe. Yeah. Um, we didn't talk about this either. I just want to say that I still really like Knox, uh, Fred's Noxie? assistant. Noxie? uh, a.k.a. that vampire from yeah. Conversations, Conversations with Dead with People. Dead he's, people? <laughs> I still, he, in the same way that, like, some, char some character actors are just, like, great in Whedon, and, like, he's, like, another one, kind of like Harmony, where it's, like, you just really make this work. I just really like him. I'm worried about him, but I like him. I like Wesley's reaction to him. Oh, we're just adding Y to the end of everything? All right. Yeah. <laughs> Gun's like, fine, Wessel. <laughs> <laughs> I did it. You know, I, I didn't really think about this at the time, but it's nice to see Gun and Wesley be able to just have a conversation again. Yes. They're great at being friends when the show lets them. 
But that's what I mean. Everybody seems like they have like less burden on yeah, them. Yeah, everyone's kind of moved I, on. I wonder how much of that is like they're like, okay, circumstantially like they do. But also I wonder if the writers just were like, man, we got to like, it's so like they just made this really depressing show. Yeah, yeah. we Yeah, I'm glad that they're moving yeah. on. I'm excited for this season. I really am. I, I had a memory of really liking it. And so far, like, you know, it's not... I'm not going to give it like an A plus, but like so far I'm, I'm optimistic that I I'm remembering correctly. (laughs) Yeah, I totally agree. Um, all right. Well, I think that's all I've got to say about just rewards. Same. Um, and next time I, I, I got to remember to look these up now because there's no excuse. This is the only show we're talking about. Oh yeah. Uh, I have it up. Hold on. Oops. Uh, let's see. Next time we have unleashed hmm. complete utter mystery to me and hellbound these are all gonna be mysteries yep. for the most part <laughs> yeah except for smile time i know what that one's about oh okay <laughs> okay do you have any pop culture i mean I, like in a way i have nothing but pop culture <laughs> like i don't know which are recommendations and which are like i've just been trapped indoors doing nothing but consuming media the whole time um, I mean, only because I mentioned it. This is a, not a surprise. I just, you know, it's not even really a recommendation. I just have really been enjoying playing Animal Crossing. And I've seen a lot of funny jokes about how the Animal Crossing quarantine is the opposite of the summer everyone was playing Pokemon Go together. <laughs> but I also just find that really amusing that it's like, it's fun. I like go visit my friends at their little houses and I, you know, go outside and do things. And then I go sit in my house. Mostly I just, what well, I mean... In this game, even without, like, unlocking new features, right out the gate, you can design um, patterns, and then you can put them, like, on the floor, on the wall, or on yourself, or on, like, your shirt. So what I'm saying is that I've already... I just... I change my sweater every day. <laughs> Sometimes I saw I sh- that you already mimicked the J. Crew catalog. I, I, yesterday, I was like, ooh, I'm going to look for some inspiration in the on J. Crew's website, and I, I made a little dress for myself. It was great. Um, yeah, and I have almost no... I could do that almost all day, just make different things. Uh, I am fine. I am, you know, I, I spent like a couple days, like really playing pretty hard. And now I'm like, okay, I can, it's also the sort of thing where it's like, it's just, you just collect resources and then spend them. And like, there's different types of resources to collect and like kind of different wrinkles in that formula. But it's like, you're not going to like lose your place. You're not going to like forget how, like, it's not like other games where it's like, you have to learn how to fight and then you have to use those skills. And like, if you put it down for a month, you would be like ah now I don't remember how to do it it's like you literally can't lose your place it's just like so easy you can just like do it in the background so that's what I've been doing and watching way too much tv yeah I um I for like two days I was like convinced I was gonna finally buy a switch and then Mm -hmm. I thought more responsibly about that um and then also realize that you you literally cannot buy one right now because the whole world went out and bought a switch (laughs) oh I didn't know that oh that's sad so it's like everything's like sold out or you know you have to go pick it up and like you know I was like wow that's that's a great reason not to buy one yeah um other than financial responsibility right uh but yeah because I was like wow what a great time to play Breath of the Wild (laughs) I know I know I'm thinking about replaying that but actually somebody also just gave me another uh Zelda game for my birthday so really I'll probably start playing that cool um oh yeah you didn't mention you also had a quarantine birthday (laughs) Yes. Oh, my God. Also, my birthday and Alex's birthday since we've been stuck indoors. I mean, again, like totally passed without me even remembering for most of the day. I was like, oh, yeah, it's my birthday. Oh, yeah. People kept calling me. I was like, what are you calling me for? Oh, right. 
I um I was texting my dad last night. And I was like, don't you feel like this year has been like a thousand days? Like mm-hmm. I just like time feels like it stopped. I agree. Everything okay. feels like a, a thousand years ago. Um, well, tell me your recommendation. Okay, I'm so excited. before we were not allowed to go anywhere and before everything shut down, I was planning to go take myself on a movie date to go see Emma. And, oh, Because okay. I have heard only good things about the new Emma adaptation. Mm-hmm. And then they finally released it on streaming early because why not? No one can go out. Um, mm-hmm. That's not actually how I watched it. Oh, okay. <laughs> Um, but I did watch it um, on streaming of a sort, okay. and mm-hmm. it's so good. Um, Emma is always one of my favorites on screen anyway. I think you and I watched the BBC miniseries. Um, mm, I don't with, think we did. Yeah, we did, definitely, with um, Johnny Lee Miller as Mr. Knightley. Um, mm, maybe we watched part of it. I don't think we finished it. I did. Maybe you did. I don't think I um, did. <laughs> maybe I did. And I really love that adaptation. Like the Gwyneth one is not my favorite, but I really liked that one. And then I was like, okay, new Emma, like, ugh, I don't need another one. Mm-hmm. It was so good. It was so funny. It's beautiful. Like the costuming is amazing. And the mm-hmm. acting is so good. And the people who they picked are like, generally, like, I think they're all a little younger than the usual choices to play mm-hmm. these characters. But if you get past the fact that everybody looks like a teenager, it's like, mm-hmm. oh, it was so good. And I was watching, and the guy playing Mr. Elton, I was like, why, why, where have I seen him? Why does he look so familiar? And then I realized he played Prince Charles in The Crown. Oh, funny. <laughs> so, perfect choice. Um, but the actress who played Emma was so good, and Mr. Knightley was so good. And this Emma is, like, very sexy. Like, mm. they're obviously, like, it's still Emma, so, like, they're not running around, like, having sex with each other, but, like, mm-hmm. there's, like, you could definitely tell that, like, they're going to. Okay. <laughs> like, <laughs> it's not so buttoned up in a way, and um, it was just a beautiful movie, and, like, I'm definitely going to go watch it again today. <laughs> Who is the lead actress? Um, Anya Taylor-Joy. Hmm. I have no idea what else she's been in. I actually meant to look it up, but I got distracted looking up, okay, where have I seen... Mr. Elton before, where have I seen Mr. Knightley before, where have I seen, oh, and mm. Bill Nye plays Emma's father. Okay. Um, he's perfect. <laughs> so. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, she's the lead girl in The Witch. That's what I know her from. Oh. oh she's really good at that. Okay. I don't know what The Witch is. Uh, it's a horror movie. Okay. It's like my favorite, it's like one of my favorite horror movies. I've only seen it once. It scared the pants off of me. And it's totally one of those things that like, if you don't buy into it immediately it's the stupidest movie you've ever seen which i think is actually true of almost every horror movie it's like you have to agree that you're gonna be scared and not just think it's silly but i really like that one she's really good in it well she's really good in emma she her emma is like maybe the meanest one um but i think it's a true depiction of like this character who is just really wealthy really beautiful really like you know Everyone loves her, but, like, she's just bored out of her mind. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, and then um, Yara Greyjoy from Game of Thrones plays her her governess, so. Okay. I like her, too. Yeah. No, it's good. Um, I would highly recommend it. It, And it's, you know, it's shorter. It's not, like, a full adaptation. It's, like, I'd say the equivalent of, like, the Keira Knightley Pride and Prejudice. That means nothing to me, but okay. In, in terms of like length, like it's the okay. it's the, the feature film 
kind of one. And it's also mm. done by the same studio. And now I'm like, are they going to do a whole Austin series? Because I would love that. <laughs> I'm waiting for somebody to do Northanger Abbey because it's really funny. And it's like gothic and like totally different from all her other ones. And I don't think anyone's ever done it. But anyway, hmm. watch Emma. It's good. Uh, okay, so what team are you on? Oh, I forgot. I forgot. Oh, Team Harmony. Team Harmony. Yeah. <laughs> no question. <laughs> Just for coming in and like breathing life into yes. everything. Agreed. So she even kind of saved the day in the first episode by reminding Angel that he had a helicopter. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. <laughs> All, right. All right. Well, we'll be back with um, those, those next, next two, two episodes. Yeah. All right. I'll talk to you later. Bye. Bye. Once More with Commentary is produced by me, Allie. And me, Ginny. Our theme music is from the album Rockingham by Nerf Herder. And our podcast logo is by Ryan Cooney. You can email us at scoobies at oncemorewithcommentary.com with any feedback, questions, comments that you have, and find us on Twitter and Instagram at omwcpodcast. You can also find our most recent episodes and any show notes at oncemorewithcommentary.com.